Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Top of the morning to you here on Private Club Radio. Thanks for being here. We've got a really great guest coming on, Matt Hagnauer of Crestview Country Club. He is been a longtime listener of the show and decided he's going to come on and contribute which is great to have him talking about food and beverage and the true meaning of hospitality and a lot more. You're really going to enjoy this episode. And special announcement if you didn't hear it last week because I sort of buried it at the end of the show. But I've got some really big news for you. You probably know the name Michael Crandall. You probably have heard him here on Private Club Radio. Well, Michael and I have teamed up to bring you the ABCs of Plutonium Club Leadership. And what we've done with this book is we have taken all the best lessons and ideas from experts around the country. There's 15 contributors in all, including folks you've most definitely heard of, people like Jackie Carpenter, Robert Serechi, John Sibald, Norm Spitzig, Henry Wallmeyer, Harvey Weiner, and many, many more. It is probably one of the most comprehensive books on private club leadership that's ever been put together. I'm so excited to be presenting it to you. It's going to come out in Nashville at the CMAA World Conference will be the actual release date. But right now you can pre-order your copy. All you need to do is go over to plutonium.club. Plutonium.club. Simply type those words right into your browser, plutonium.club, just like that. Not a .com, but .club. And you will be able to pre-order your copy of the ABCs of Plutonium Club Leadership. And it's a really fun format. There's a lot of comics inside the book. It's broken down in an ABC format. So from A to Z, there are topics covered by our experts. And it's a really fun read that you should keep on your desk, on your nightstand as a guide for you and your private club. Once again, plutonium.club. All right, without further ado, we're going to bring on our featured guest of the day. This is a good one. My guest today is Matt Hagnauer, food and beverage director at Crestview Country Club in Wichita, Kansas. He's here to chat with us about the true meaning of hospitality, his lessons on how to hire the right team members, and how to measure success in your dining room operations. Matt, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me today, Gabe. Ah, it's great to have you, man. Thank you so much for being here. I'd love for you just to start off with a with a brief background on yourself and uh, how you got to Wichita, Kansas there at Crestview. Uh, yeah, so um, I've been around uh, hospitality, uh, it seems like, all my life. Um, grew up in a blue-collar town outside of St. Louis, uh, you know, gatherings and and parties are always kind of a, a figure in my life. So um, I naturally kind of went towards hospitality. And from there, I started bartending in college and worked as a beverage supervisor for the St. Louis Blues. Um, and then I just kind of found a niche for it. I had a had a really great general manager that um, just kind of said, hey, you'd be pretty good at this. Um, and just kind of ran from it from there. Uh, did a couple bar programs out on the East Coast. Um and then I uh, found myself working for a restaurant group out of uh, Illinois. And from there, uh found my way to Wichita um, and uh, just kind of been embracing the uh, private club life uh, since my transition um, and trying to take a little bit of the, the fine dining and restaurant aspect of it 
and trying to incorporate it with, uh, you know, what how we see our dining rooms in the private uh, club settings. Yeah. What's been the uh, biggest biggest transition um, from the fine dining to the private club world for you? Uh, the biggest transition is having to be great at everything and not just having to be great at one thing, um, you know, which is also kind of a, it's a tricky side for clubs uh, to kind of pick that identity for lack of a better term. Sure. Um, it's trying to have that identity, but, you know, still, still being everything to everyone. Right. Yep. I know, I know how that is. <laughs> and you got to keep constantly reinventing yourself because you're, you're serving the Correct. same clients over and over. Um, I know you've got some, um, some insights into the difference between hospitality and customer service. So I'd love to hear those from you, Matt. Yeah. So um, I, I would probably say that I come from the Danny Meyer school of thought, um, you know, customer service and hospitality are important and vital to success. Um, however, knowing that they're two different things is even more important. Um, I've always kind of been under the understanding that customer service is what's expected. Hospitality is everything above that. Mm. Um, so, you know, we always try and, uh, you know, uh, one of our member, our membership director, um, you know, I, as soon as he has a tour, uh, he sends out a text message. Um, I make a point to try and find that person in that tour and introduce myself or say, you know, hi, Mr. Spears, um, without even introducing myself. Um, that's hospitality. Uh, for me, just to walk past someone and say hello, um, you know, that's customer service. And anytime you have those opportunities, um, it's being able to define those opportunities and when you can go above and beyond and when you're just doing what's expected. I love that differentiation. I don't know if I've, I've personally heard it stated exactly that way, but I love that. It's a, it, hospitality is really that that something extra, that extra quality mm-hmm. that you just don't get anywhere. What are some other examples of that, Matt? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it stems, you can apply it in anything. Uh, you know, if I know a, a member likes a great Moscato, you know, it, it's kind of, a, it's an easy for me as a food and beverage director, knowing I have that direct interaction and I have their direct taste buds, right? So I, I know what they love. Um, you know, it could be, it could be an extra $3 to bring this amazing Moscato in. Um, but at the end of the day, this member's in my dining room for three or four days a week. Um, and I've just had them, you know, raise our bar a little bit better. They're like, oh, wow, this isn't even on the menu. But, you know, Matt went out of his way to bring this in for me. This is amazing. Um, you know, it's just kind of providing those those experiences with them. Uh, you know, if we're doing a wine tasting uh, with a vendor, it's not abnormal for me to pull over a member and say, hey, you know, would you guys like to taste these out with me? Tell me what you think. Um, and then it just kind of, it, it lets an insight onto what we do and, and how we do it, which I think in turn makes my job easier. Yeah. That's really, really special too for the, for the uh, member, obviously. It's just, that's an amazing mm-hmm. experience. Sounds like you're providing there. There's an importance in your mind to never becoming stagnant, stagnant in the food and beverage operations. Can you share a little wisdom on that, Matt? Yeah. So, uh, you know, and you kind of, kind of touched on a little bit we we have the same demographic every month right so it's it's tough and it's i think if you can keep your stuff on a cycle and and know what's moving and what's losing um you know those are things going to be beneficial to you um you know i I, some of my experiences the desserts for instance i feel like that's always kind of a it's an area of opportunity but it's an area of loss in a lot of businesses that i've been around um where they haven't it's been, you know, third and fourth thought is desserts, right? But if we're, if we're kind of switching it up or even better, I mean, we, we have a, 
a rotation of them, um, then we kind of get that, we kind of lose that stagnant aspect of it. Uh, same could be said with, with beers. I mean, craft beer world is, is insane, right? So there's tons of opportunities to, to switch up your beer. I don't think I've had the same uh, rotating taps in my bar in probably the last two months. So, um, and we have a neat little little craft beer scene here in Wichita. So that provides me uh, the ability to do that. But I think it's just switching it up, realizing what's moving and what's losing. Um, and you can really make yourself uh, competitive in those, those atmospheres. Yeah, I love that. Now, the other thing that I want to touch on today is I know, I know you've got some ideas on how to hire the right people to get the right people in the bus. And so I'd love for you to share with us how you go about the hiring process. Yeah. I mean, uh, I feel across the board, this is one of the toughest things in the club atmosphere because you have to compete with every restaurant in the town uh, that you're battling with. Um, You know, and I just always have been a firm believer in hiring attitude, not skill. Um, One of my biggest questions when I interview people is tell me something you're passionate about. Uh, I feel like if that person knows what the passion is, um, I can't teach that. Right. Um, you know, if they know what passion looks like and feels like and tastes like, that's a good person to hire. Um, so those are one of the things that I just, I always look for those, those people, you know, the smile. I have a gentleman in my dining room, you know, sometimes it's, it's a rough start for him, but he knows once the first person walks through the door, I mean, it's smiles from ear to ear, uh, you know, and it's just keeping that and it's, and in that it's, it's, it's praising and it's, it's passing down those, those good emails and those good vibes, uh, to your staff, the frontline staff, you know, for me, the, the most important person in the building is my dishwasher. Um, if he's upset, then we got problems, right? So right. <laughs> um, it's just kind of touching on all those bases uh, and, and, and making yourself a co-worker and a leader, um, not just a boss. That's right. I love that. I just read a book recently. It was a business book by a guy named Dan Bradbury. And, and one of his, his biggest piece of advice is what, what, is what you just said there. To, he called it uh, hiring for cultural fit, culture fit. And I think mm-hmm. that's such a such an important uh, lesson that, of course, uh, skills are a dime a dozen and skills could be taught. But having the right person who's a cultural fit or who has that attitude you talked about is so important. What are some of the things mm-hmm. that you look for? I, you gave us one question that you ask. Uh, what are some of the other questions or what are the other some of the ways that you can figure out if that's the right person attitude-wise? Yeah, I, I, I just look for that. I wouldn't call it competitive drive. Uh, you know, I look for someone that just has that drive, you know, whether it be in, in academics, um, you know, in sports or, or they're just, you know, they're, you can tell they're super outgoing. Um, those are the key things that I look for in it. Um, you know, and I, being me, I'm a persistent person. Um, uh, you can ask my GM. Uh, I'm very persistent. I don't let up at all. Um, so when I have someone like that, um, I, I tend to, to gravitate more towards a little bit because I know that at the end of the day, whether or not, um, the initiative they take is right or wrong, they're probably going to take initiative over some of my other staff. Um, and that's kind of what I look for. Uh, I always tell my staff, you know, I'm the most cool, calm and collective person in the world. Um, I'm more than flexible, sometimes probably to my own demise, (laughs) but if I walk around in a bad mood all the time. Uh, when I have to be in a bad mood, it doesn't mean anything. So, you know, I look for people that I can kind of work with in those fields and uh, and drive that kind of type of culture. Yeah, that's very cool. 
Now, the other thing that you've been working on at your club is to really break the barriers between the, the F&B department and the other outlets like golf and tennis and the other departments in the club. How do you go about doing mm-hmm. that? Oh, man, I, it's weird. I feel like that's like one of the biggest glaring issues when I first got into the club industry. Um, and, and I don't know why it was, uh, by all means, but I think it's just, just finding those ways to, to coexist. You know, one thing's not more important than the other, you know. My department's successful. Golf is successful. Golf is successful. My department's successful. Um, and I, and I think sometimes that gets a little twisted um, in the aspect of it. So I think it's just about you know having those conversations. You know what can we do to make your open house better, golf shop or you know tennis shop. You know what can we do to make your event better. Um, you know and then in turn what can you know you do to make our uh, business streamlined. Uh, you know we do a uh, twilight golf with our member guests and it seemed like you know repeatedly on thursday nights at about five minutes before we close you know here comes everybody right yeah so it's about it's about having those conversations it's like you know let, let's help each other let's have those conversations and and sometimes they're tough in, in my experience because uh, because one person does think one thing is more important than the other um but i think it's about just having a level head and and, and kind of breaking past those barriers and figuring how can we make this work for everybody? Yeah. Um, and just being creative in those, those outlets. Yeah. Love that. Absolutely. Now, the well, last thing I want to touch, touch on is how to find quick and easy measurables to judge your success actually in the, in the dining room. How do you go about doing that, Matt? So, um, kind of back to dessert. So I, I, I mentioned it twice. I think desserts are probably the most important thing in the dining room. Um, I, I think, in dining rooms, we have a tendency of just oversaturating ourselves with measurables, right? So you'll, you look at sales, um, drink sales, all that stuff. And you'll start to think you have a trend. And the only thing it's really telling you is that's not selling. Right. Right. So, but, but if you, one key dynamic I've used, you know, in, in all my time in restaurants is guest to dessert ratio. Um, and so interesting. basically the number just telling in, yeah, how many, how many desserts I'm getting per guest. Right. So, yeah. And, and what that tells you, and it's, it's such a great number because it just kind of unpacks the whole service aspect of it. I don't know if you can tell, but my excitement about that number is awesome. Um, <laughs> I hear it in your voice. It's, it's, it's really, it's just, it's so just plain sight. But anyway, um, so it tells you a couple things. One, it tells you if your desserts are moving or not, right? So it, it covers the sales side of it. And two, which I think is the most important thing ever, is it tells you if your servers are finishing off tables or not. Mm-hmm. So it lets you get a, quick insight into how your service is going yeah. you know so if 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 you're short staffed that's a number that's going to be glaring to you because people aren't finishing off the tables right yeah i can't tell you how many times i cringe in the dining room when i just see dirty plates still on the table and the guests have walked away right. um mm-hmm. you know for me that is that is one leaving money on the table and two i know that table wasn't finished out sure so you know we didn't have any coffee tea or dessert drinks or anything offered we just kind of just, here's your entrees, bon voyage. Right. Um, so that's why I think that number is so vital to what we're doing. And, and, and just hospitality in general, it's just, it tells you so many things with just one number. Um, you know, and it takes, it takes work to get that number, right? So you got to train your staff to make sure they're putting in the right uh, table covers and all that stuff. So then, you know, it takes a while to get that, that going. Um, if you can see that number start to increase, your overall sales will, will increase drastically. Um, and not to mention, you'll probably get a drink each per person 
uh, more than what you were getting just by having that table uh, set up correctly. Yeah, I got to imagine it kind of is a judge of, of how they want to, how the good, well, the service is to make you linger. And if you're lingering, you're going to keep ordering. So that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. What's the number you're shooting for, Matt? Like, is there a percentage that you're looking to be at? Uh, uh, I've seen, I've seen a array of percentages, you know, on, on the, on the just restaurant side, you're probably going to be around, uh, you're probably going to see them around 43%, a good restaurant, somewhere really? between 54 and 55. Wow. Um, I would never have guessed that, honestly, because I, I, yeah, I just and it's, very rarely order dessert, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's all about what type of dessert, too. So if you have something that's really, like, approachable and, and easy, uh, you know, then that's obviously going to bring up uh, your dessert plateau. Yeah. Um, if you have something that's very intricate and it's going to take 15 minutes, guess what? You're going to miss out on that dessert. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so it's about just kind of back to, like, what's your losers and movers. Um, it's kind of finding those things that you can push like that at a table of four and, and, you know, maybe the whole table can split it as opposed to trying to, you know, make it a big, mm-hmm. big ordeal. Um, yeah. I would probably say on the, you know, on the, where we're at now, we're probably somewhere between a 24 and 25. Um, you know, and that's, that's a number that I, you know, we keep trying to drive and, and, and push up because I know if that number is moving, uh, we're moving everywhere else as well. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Any other measurables that you, that you use uh, to judge your success there? Um, I would probably, I'll give you a measurable you shouldn't use. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and this is, you know, kind of all across the board for people that have public dining rooms and stuff like that is, uh, don't worry about the, uh, the Facebooks, the Googles, that type of stuff. Um, just be on your dining room floor. Hmm. That's, that's going to be your big taker of it. Um, I've, I've never liked wasting my time. I think, um, you can you can get yourself turned around real quick by focusing on those type of review type aspects, mm-hmm. um, because especially nowadays I feel like there's a lot of people that are the John Georges of restaurants. Um, but you know everybody's got a great idea until they realize how hard it is to pull it off. <laughs> You're right, it's true. <laughs> well, it's the beginning of 2019 here, and I want to know if you've got any big audacious goals for your operation or even just for yourself uh, personally? Yeah, 2019, is, it's going to be a fun year. Uh, you know, when I came into Crestview, it was right before the the big, you know, the big seasonal push and all that. Um, so I, I'm really going to try and focus on creating those, uh, what I call memory-making events. Uh, you know, we're doing a wine dinner and stuff like that with Orrin Swift. And, you know, everybody does them, but it's just trying to trying to bring that find uh, fine dining type attitude towards it yep. and have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a firm believer in that if I can give the knowledge to my members um, in the process of doing that, whether it be beer, wine, whiskey, whatever, um, then it's just nothing but gravy on top for me after that. So if I can get them knowledgeable and feel comfortable with drinking a, a whiskey that they've never had in their life, uh, nine out of 10 times, I'll probably sell that bottle in my dining room. So just trying to kind of recalibrate and refocus on some things that, that really propel us at a, you just further that's awesome any any particular number that you want to hit for desserts out of curiosity <laughs> oh I, I tell you what i'd love to be at 40 okay. um, wow that would be a big uh, a big improvement you know the and i'm sure everyone else in the world feels this but the the biggest problem you have was is you know you're you're trying to staff for the business you want uh not the business you have mm-hmm. so it's just trying to to drive those numbers and yep 
get that. I mean, that's that's kind of a back burner number for me. If I can get there, great. Yeah. Um, if I can just see, you know, see us propelling and, and moving up and inching up, uh, that would be a kind of exciting thing for me. So now that I have a couple of weeks to kind of recalibrate everything, I'll feel a little bit better going into it. That's awesome. Well, you know, I look forward to seeing if you do hit 40%. That would be pretty cool. So let's make sure that we check back in at the end of next year. And uh, see yeah. if you see if you're able to do it. That that'll be pretty yeah. awesome. I really enjoyed this I, I one, Matt. I'm gonna pull all my hair out. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll give my best shot. <laughs> I really enjoyed chatting with you, Matt. And uh, thanks so much for coming on and, sh- and shedding some light on uh, the F and B operations at private clubs today. Yeah. Cool, cool. Thank you, Gabe. Well, that's gonna wrap things up for this week. I hope to catch you back here next week. Don't forget, head over to plutonium.club and pre-order your copy of the book today. I'll catch you next week. Here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Concert Golf has the capital, expertise and private club hospitality experience to help upscale private clubs achieving long-term success and membership growth. For 25 years, Concert Golf has allowed private club members to focus on simply enjoying their club. Visit concertgolfpartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process.